Genesis chapter 4 this morning. We're working our way through this book on Sunday mornings. We're now at the place where Cain has killed his brother Abel. God had respect unto Abel and his offering, but God had not respect unto Cain and his offering. And as a result, Cain became very wroth and he slew his brother. After Cain murdered his brother, he decided to lie to God about it. We saw how Cain is of his father, the devil. Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning and the father of lies. And Cain fits that bill. Cain, in his arrogance and hard heart, said to God, Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. We are. That was last week. You can go back and listen to that. But for today, let's begin. Let's read verses 6 through 12 of Genesis chapter 4. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. So, as we have discussed previously, God tried to reason with Cain in verses 6 and 7. Then again in verse 9, God is trying to bring Cain to Himself. He's trying to get Cain to see where his spiritual condition's at. But Cain wants nothing to do with God in his heart. Proverbs 28, 13 and 14 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth always. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Instead of confessing his sinfulness, instead of being honest with God, he lies to God and he responds by hurling this arrogant question back into the face of God. Psalm 10, 13 and 14 Wherefore doth the wicked contemn God, or scorn, or despise God? He has said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. Thou hast seen it, for thou beholdest mischief and spite to requite it with thy hand. Now, as we pick up where we left off in verse 10, we find God isn't buying any of this. God doesn't play into Cain's hands by answering his questions. He's not going to get caught up in all of that drama with Cain. And God isn't going to put up with this kind of egotism and this kind of pride against Him. God is not blinded by lies and He is never intimidated. 
God who knows all and sees all, asked Cain, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Jeremiah 16, 17, For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. You can't hide from God. You can't hide your sinfulness. Back to another reference in Psalm 10, the Word of God says there about the wicked, in verses 8-11, through 11, He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages, in the secret places doth he, doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privily set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. Listen to this now. He has said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. You can be as secretive as you want, but you aren't hiding anything from God. You might can hide it from your parents. You might be able to hide it from your friends. You might be able to hide it from your spouse. But God knows. Psalm 90 and verse 8, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. Did you know that you can't even hide your thoughts from God? Mercy. Job 42.2, No thought can be withholden from thee. Psalm 44.21, For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Psalm 139.2, Thou knowest my downsitting, mine uprising, thou understandest my thoughts afar off. And so you might as well just be honest with God. He already knows. He knows where you have been. He knows what you have done. He knows what you have thought. He knows what is in your heart. And Numbers 32.23 famously says, be sure your sins will find you out. If you'll learn to confess your sins, which means you agree with what God says about sinfulness, if you'll acknowledge and agree with God about your sins and believe that Christ is the only payment for your sins, then God will forgive your sins. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 55.7, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So the choice is yours. What is your choice? What, What choice have you made? Have you even made a choice? Agree with God about your sins, or go on lying to yourself that God... That, that you think in God's eyes you really aren't that bad. You, you know, I, I know I lie from time, but I'm not that bad. One lie put Christ on the cross. Agree with God, experience His mercy, know His forgiveness, or disagree with God and experience His punishment and judgment. Well, since Cain refuses God, refuses to confess his sinfulness, To God, God can no longer deal with Cain in His mercy and grace, but He must now deal with Cain 
after his judgment and punishment. And God begins by asking, where is Abel thy brother? And at this point, I don't think God is looking for an answer. Because he follows that up with, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth uh, unto me from the ground. He knows Cain can lie all he wants, but God and Cain know what has happened to Abel. He's been murdered. Now, we're not given tone in the Bible. Sometimes I try to read it with tone like I did this morning, you know. We're going to make a CD of me reading and put... (laughs) Right. We're not given tone in the Bible, but I would think at this point God is becoming a little more heated. Is that a good word? He's becoming a little more serious, a little more firm with His dealings with Cain at this point. Um, Psalm Psalm 711 tells us that God is angry with the wicked every day. God has now had enough of Cain's deception. God has had enough of His arrogance arrogance against Him. What hast thou done? I think we could put an exclamation point after that. Do you not see how evil your actions are? You murdered your brother who was righteous and holy. A man who never gave you a cause to be angry at him. And you dare to hide it? To deny it? To make light of it? That goes for all of our sins. Proverbs 6.16 These six things does the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. And in that list are hands that shed innocent blood. God lets Cain know there's no escaping dealing with this. We have, to, we have to deal with this, Cain. Your brother's blood is crying out unto me from the ground. Now, blood doesn't have an audible voice to our ears, but God certainly hears. And the blood of, of God's saints are crying out for vengeance and justice. It rises up to God's ears who says, I will deal with this. There was a wicked king who was over the house of Israel named Ahab. If you remember him, you remember he's got a wicked wife named Jezebel. Not a good name for your daughter. Oh, mercy. I don't know if somebody here is named Jezebel. Uh, it's a great name if you already have it. One of these days I'll learn to keep my mouth shut. Anyway, she... Or uh, Ahab, he, he wants the field of Naboth. Remember that? And Naboth says, I, on, the, on the authority of God's word, I cannot give you this field. It, it is part of the inheritance of my fathers. And God says, you can't mess with that. And so Naboth's just following the word of God. And, and he says, I can't give you the field. Well, Ahab got the poochy lip and he goes back to the palace. And he's pouting about it. And his wife comes in, begins to pet him on the head. What's the matter? And so she comes up with this idea, let's set up false witnesses against Naboth, and we can have him killed, and then you can take the field. And so Naboth was an innocent man who was killed, but God heard his blood crying out for justice. 2 Kings 9.26, Surely I have seen yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his son, saith the Lord, 
and I will requite thee in this plat, saith the Lord. Now, therefore, take and cast him into the plat of the ground according to the word of the Lord. God will execute justice. He will execute vengeance. It may not always be in our time. It may not be in the way in which you think it ought to be. But God is going to take care of things. He will deal with those who shed innocent blood and have no repentance in the matter. Thomas Jefferson said, Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that His justice cannot sleep forever. And he said that in the context of slavery. The inhumane transatlantic slave trade. He said, I know that God's justice cannot rest forever. He cannot ignore this forever. And we ended up paying very dearly for it. And sadly, our generation can now say this about abortion. Do we really think God is going to stay silent? Does not the blood of innocent babies cry out for justice? And listen, if you happen to be in the company of one who's committed murder this morning, whether from abortion or or some other means, I want you to understand that God offers you forgiveness. In His grace and in His mercy and His blood can wash away every sin. And, And listen, you can even go on to be used greatly by God. Even if I kill somebody? Well, the Bible talks about Moses and David and Paul. They were all murderers. I think 13, maybe 14 books in our New Testament are written by Paul. How many of the Psalms are written by David? How many books are written by Moses? Uh, You might be thinking, I would never commit murder. I mean, I'm not that bad. Well, 1 John 3.15 says plainly, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. You may never kill someone physically, but perhaps you have murdered someone in your heart. You need forgiveness as well. Now, I've already preached from this chapter how religion always persecutes grace. But it is important that we understand this morning about his blood crying out that Abel has been murdered for his faith. He's not murdered because he upset Cain in a way that he was picking on him. Cain is mad at Abel because his sacrifice was accepted. And so Abel here is really the the first martyr for faith. 1 John 3, 11 and 12, For this is the message that she heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. That's the reason why. Cain killed Abel because he was righteous. Don't expect to be loved in the world. This was the blood of a righteous man. God cannot ignore it. His blood is crying out for justice. And I decided not to get deep into this thought this morning, but for you Bible students here, something to consider is how in the murder and how Cain murders Abel, Cain becomes a type of Israel. Time and again, Israel killed the righteous who were sent unto them. They were sent to them to turn them back to God, showing the way of righteousness. Why do I bring this up? Because there's some interesting uh, verbiage in the New Testament that ties to Genesis 4. And Jesus said this in Luke eleven forty nine through 51 Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, 
And some of them they shall slay and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets, which was shed from the foundation of the world, may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, who perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Now isn't it interesting that when Jesus says to Jerusalem, I'm going to bring the blood of all the prophets upon you, He takes it all the way back to Abel. They weren't even a nation yet. Why does, why does Jesus do this? Jesus is letting Israel know they had gone the way of Cain in slaying the righteous. And they even desired to murder the Messiah. So did the Gentiles. And before it was over with, Jesus knew they were going to cry out for His blood. Matthew 27, 22-25, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus who is called Christ? They all say unto Him, Let Him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath He done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let Him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, Oh mercy, His blood be upon us and our children. What was Jesus saying prior to this over there in Matthew 23? He was letting them know, Abel still speaks. Abel's blood, it's, it's his offering, his sacrifice, who he is, it still is speaking today. And if you would just understand the Word of God, what's so important about Genesis? It's the foundation of everything. God killed a lamb, presumably He, he killed an animal in order to clothe Adam and Eve. And Abel comes along and he brings an offering of a lamb. God had respect unto that. And Jesus says, if you only knew, if you only understood, I'm that lamb. If you would just look back at Abel, if you would just see what took place then, he's speaking to you. Hebrews 11:4 by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. Listen, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Amen. He's still speaking. Israel refused the testimony of Abel. America is on the fast track. And all those who followed after, who were crying out for them to do righteously, all those prophets and testifying against them, they refused to listen. And they paid dearly. Within 40 years of Christ's death, God allowed the Romans to come in and utterly destroy the city and the sanctuary. They never recovered. To this day, there's no temple. Listen, do not think you're going to get away with it. America paid dearly for blood that they've shed. Israel paid dearly for the blood they shed. And listen, you're going to pay dearly if you do not accept the shed blood of Christ. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the point is, the voice of the martyrs are crying out to God of which Abel is a part. 
Those in Christ who have been killed by unrighteous and evil men will be avenged one day soon. In Revelation chapter 6, when the sixth seal is open, we find the martyrs under the throne of God crying out, How long, O Lord, faithful and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? How long? The blood of the martyrs is crying out, excuse me, the fifth seal. Crying out, how long? It's a loud cry. God hears the cry. And one day God's wrath, He he will avenge all those who have been killed for their faith and their Christian testimony. And none are going to be able to stand in the day of His great wrath. Revelation 14, it talks about, and the winepress was trodden without the city. What was the winepress? It says, the winepress of the wrath of God. What's he doing? He's taking vengeance. Revelation 19, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Victory day is on the way. Amen. And so we read in Romans 12, 19, Avenge not yourselves. You don't have to take matters into your own hands, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. But there's another blood that's crying out this morning. And if any man have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, if you will, please. Hebrews chapter 12. I'd like to read two verses. Verses 24 and 25. This is what the Bible says. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from Him that speaketh from heaven. And so we see today that Jesus' blood speaks. It speaks of greater things than that of Abel. There are some similarities, earthly speaking, between the blood of Abel and the blood of Jesus. But I believe there are two contrasts that we are meant to see from this passage. One, the death of Christ versus the murder of Abel. And two, the blood of Christ versus the blood of Abel's sacrifice. When Abel was murdered, his blood cried out for vengeance, judgment, and justice. He had been killed for his faith. Christ wasn't murdered. It's important we know that. He willingly laid down his life and shed his blood to become a ransom for sinners, to reconcile us 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 to God by bringing many sons unto glory. While Abel's blood cries out for vengeance, justice, and judgment, would you listen? Jesus' blood cries out for mercy, grace, and pardon. While on the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in this, Christ speaks of better things than that of Abel. Then there's the contrast of the two sacrifices. One offered by Abel and then, of course, one who is Christ. 
I'll allow the words of Charles Spurgeon to make this point for us. Quote, He, speaking of Abel, brought a sacrifice which showed the necessity of bloodshedding, but Christ brought the bloodshedding itself. Abel taught the, wor- the world by his sacrifice that he never looked for a victim, that he looked for a victim, but Christ brought the actual victim. Abel brought but the type and the figure, the lamb which was but a picture of the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world, but Christ was that lamb. He was the substance of the shadow, the reality of the type, end quote. Abel showed the way to God was through blood. Christ is the way to God through His blood. Abel showed He was looking for an innocent Savior. Christ is the sinless Savior sent from God. And so in every way possible, Christ's blood speaks of better things than that of Abel's blood and His sacrifice's blood. And we see how Christ's blood, it brought in the new covenant. That's what it says. It is a better covenant. Why? It is established upon better promises with a better sacrifice because of better blood. Under this new covenant, God said that those who will come to Him through Christ, He said their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And for this reason, verse 25 begins by telling us, See that ye refuse not Him that speaketh. You dare not refuse to hear the voice of this blood that is crying out. This is the blood of eternal life. This is the blood of forgiveness and pardon. This is the blood of mercy and grace. Don't refuse Him who is speaking into your heart. Because as verse 25 goes on to say, For if they escaped not who refused Him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from Him that speaketh from heaven. Cain refused to hear God. He was punished. Esau refused to hear God and he was punished. The Pharaoh in Moses' day refused to hear God and he was punished. Belshazzar refused to hear God and was punished. Herod Agrippa refused to hear God and he was punished. The house of Israel refused to hear God's prophets and the Assyrians took them captive. The house of Judah refused to hear God's prophets and the Babylonians took them captive. Jerusalem refused to hear Jesus and the apostles and they were destroyed by the Romans. And if they escape not, what makes us think that we shall escape when we have a voice that is speaking far greater than any voice can speak on this earth? It is the blood of Jesus that speaketh of better things. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing? We are told in Hebrews 10 that there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. 
Christ was it, man. That's the only sacrifice. There's nothing else you can look to. You can't look to your works. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. It's as plain as it can be. What does that mean? It means you cannot work your way to heaven. It means you cannot church your way to heaven. It means you cannot baptize your way to heaven. It means you cannot give your way to heaven. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. The payment has been made. It is finished. All that is left if you refuse this blood is a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. So I wonder, is the blood of Christ speaking to you today? It's a perfect blood. It's a precious blood. It's a cleansing blood. It's a redeeming blood. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. In closing, remember that God knows what you have done. Hey, and get this. God knew what you were going to do and He still came to die for you. He knows your thoughts. Good night. That's enough to get me fired as pastor right there. If you knew what I really thought about (laughs) y'all. Karen's like, you're not not lying at all. (laughs) He knows your heart. So stop trying to hide from God. Stop trying to lie to God. It's time to agree with God about your sinfulness, confess your sins, and allow the blood of Christ to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So don't turn a deaf ear any longer. The blood of the new covenant is speaking better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse Him not. And if you will come to God through faith in Christ, He said, your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Whoop! And this message this morning isn't just for the lost. If you're in Christ, but you know you have strayed from Him, then plead the blood of Christ. Confess your sins. Be brought near to Him once again. If you can hear Him speaking into your heart today, then listen to Him and respond to Him. Let's pray.